Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with God. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey with Jesus. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss any of our encouraging episodes. You probably know by now that I always ask my guests what woman of the Bible has inspired, encouraged, or taught her something. But what about you? I'd love to hear what woman of the Bible has helped you in your walk of faith. Email me at hergodstory at somebodycares.org and tell me why. I just might read it on a future episode to encourage others who are listening. Remember now, email me at hergodstory at somebodycares.org. The world around us seems like it is spinning out of control. Issues at home and abroad can make you shake your head and wonder where it will all end. What are we to do? Psalm 46, 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. My guest today, Lisa Stringer, knows God as her fortress. This beautiful woman of God is a trusting travel companion and companion and a dear friend. Lisa is the wife of Doug Stringer, president of Somebody Cares American International, and is editor of this podcast. She was also my very first guest. If you haven't heard her story in episode one, I'm sure you'll want to after our conversation today. At one time, Lisa successfully worked her way up in the secular radio and music industry, but she left that all behind. Now a minister in her own right, Lisa is a frequent speaker to women and youth groups across the country and globally. Lisa recently returned from ministering in the war-torn country of Ukraine, and I know you will be strengthened in your faith as you hear her story. Welcome, Lisa. So good to be with you, Jody. Lisa, you never shrink back from a God adventure, but Ukraine, Ukraine is in the middle of a very real war. When you and Doug received the invitation, did you have any hesitations? How did you know this was a God invitation? Very often, you either get a firm yes, you get a firm no, and on occasion, you get, I just don't know. As you know, with every invitation, it's not even about the firm yes or no or the in-between. It's about every time asking God, God, is this you? Making sure that it's not the flesh that it truly is a move of God because to move with God, yes, to move without him, no. I'll never forget right where I was when Doug received the invitation. And I said, Doug, it's a yes. And he said, Lisa, they're in the middle of a war. We need to pray about it. I said, oh, I will be praying. Trust me. I agree wholeheartedly. I can't explain why, but I have a burning sensation of peace, not a negative. It's a positive in my spirit that this is a God-ordained trip. And he said, do you realize all that it would entail? I said, Doug, I can't even think about it. I can imagine all it would entail. I can't think about it because, well, he's always reminding us. One of the great men of God had quoted, God's work done in God's way would never lack God's supply. And in this particular case, truth be told, to this day, we still haven't reached the fulfillment of the need to meet that expense. But I'm trusting that before the end of the year, a miracle is going to happen and that's going to be wiped out because we know that we know that was a God-ordained trip. We did pray, we did have peace, and we moved forward. And boy, there are no regrets over every aspect of that trip. 
starts with traveling. I mean, traveling to Ukraine now is not as easy as it used to be. I mean, it's a long way, but you had to kind of hopscotch your way over there. Share about your journey and the divine appointments God had for you along the way. The journey was definitely challenging, as you said. It's not your typical get on a plane, land, um, even if you have to take two or three legs and oftentimes have people meet you and take you to your destination. This was a combination of all of that. Plus, there's language barriers because we did fly from the US to Germany, Germany to Poland, and Poland then, you know, made our way into Ukraine as it borders there. There's the layovers, which, you know, can be exhausting. There's the time change, obviously, that can be exhausting. But once we landed in Poland, we were met by the grace of God. Doug had made arrangements with some of the people in Ukraine to have a pastor friend pick us up in Poland early in the morning. Like it was a 5 a.m. pickup call and we had just gotten there, you know, a few hours before and drive us for about three and a half hours to another city in Poland called Helm. And that's where you could catch a train that would enter into the Ukraine. Interesting though, in that region, there are speed limits like in any other you know, city. And so although they're mostly highways, they're two road highways, you could only go at times 30 and 35 miles an hour. Can you imagine? And so we are just exhausted. We get to the city. The people are able to give us a quick little meal at, at a restaurant and we had some eggs. And I remember who takes Eggs Benedict home with them, right? So the plate came with two Eggs Benedict and the ladies like, pack them up. And I'm like, no, but these are eggs. You don't pack up eggs to go. It's almost like an over easy egg. And she said, oh, you're going to be on the train for about 15 hours, 14 to 15 hours, and there will be no food or any water. So you need to have this. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness, here we go. And so the adventure had truly begun much as you said, and there's no complaining about it. It's just the reality of life. Things that many of us who are listening in places like the United States or maybe Canada or maybe Germany, we have access to so much right now. We're not limited. But in a country where there is war, you are limited. You're limited to resources, be it food. You're limited to means of travel. There is even martial law where the people are limited to leave their home at a certain hour. Hence us having to take a limited number of trains that operate so that when they arrive into train stations, you can either be picked up on time to get off of the streets or you end up sleeping at the train station on the floor if you can't find one of the very limited seats you know, that are there because uh, you cannot leave the building or go onto the city streets. Once we got there, we boarded our train. I think that's when reality really set in, Jody, because the rabbis were so nice to walk us on board the train where there is high security, by the way. You know, you see people with their weapons to protect themselves and protect against any harm that could come against the people. And they take us into this little room it has basically four bench light with light cushion chairs, two on the bottom, two on top in the bunks. And one of our partners didn't come. So I was able to have a bottom bunk because I was scheduled to have a top bunk. I felt at that moment, like I had traveled back into, gosh, 1970, 1965, 1970, and I was in Russia. And that's what it felt like. Traveling back in time, once we started the journey, again, reality set in. I tried to eat as little as I could of that egg that they had given us, the water that they had given us to drink because I didn't want to have to go to the restroom, which was down the hall and 
with a train, it's almost like trying to use the restroom while on a Disney ride. And so it was challenging. But at the same time, can I tell you, beautiful, exciting. I chose to look at the cup half full and not half empty because I was going to love on people. And how dare I complain when these people, some of them have lost loved ones, have been separated from their family members because they're at war and the men are forcefully asked to go serve. It's not an option. They're lacking so much. And it was an honor to be on that train ride and dare I not complain about it. And God had a divine appointment for you right in your compartment, didn't he? He sure did. It was amazing. When we arrived before the rabbi ensured that we were settled, I believe one of them spoke some English, the other very limited. It was a rabbi and his wife. We prayed together. We held hands. So Doug and I and both of them held hands right outside of our cabin in that narrow hallway. And there was one young lady who it turns out she was in her early 20s, also been married, I believe, just a little over a year, going on two years. She witnessed our prayer and she spoke just a few words only in English. But we had the wherewithal to have Google Translate with us. So we had an app that would allow us to speak into it and translate it. And the interesting part there is that you have various languages spoken. So some people speak Polish, some people speak Ukrainian, some people speak Russian, and then you have a lot of people that speak Hebrew as well, you know, because of the Jewish populations that are spread out throughout that region. And with that in mind, she witnessed, and as soon as we got settled into our cabin, and settled in means find a way to put your luggage, because by the way, in that small cabin, you also have to fit your luggage <laughs> in some way, form, or fashion. So you're trying to find a way to just accommodate everything. You're sitting on these plastic benches thinking, oh my gosh, I have to take my focus off of the fact that I'm on this for the next 12 to 15 hours, and there's no getting off. And you start trying to think positive. And Doug did what Doug does. Doug is a very giving person who will give. In fact, he has given the shoes off of his feet before when he left and somebody liked them. And it was a young man and he wanted to sew into him. He was in Canada. He took off his shoes on a snowy day, gave them to him and walked back to the car without shoes. And that's who he is. And who he is was demonstrated on that day because he immediately he tried to speak to the young lady and he said, are you hungry? And it wasn't that he was trying to give away our egg that, you know, you think, well, okay, it could get spoiled. He really genuinely wanted to say, look, we have two eggs here. We can share one. You can have the other. And it was perfectly packed and never touched because it was never contaminated by anything else that we had eaten on our plate. And he says, and I have a bottled water. Would you like it? Because the rabbi was kind enough to give us a couple of bottled waters each or the train trip. And she was so grateful for that. And then he offered her at some point a Somebody Cares Bear. And that is a beautiful story. If I could even fast forward through that story, because she sees the bear and she's like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I mean, genuinely was like a child just hugging this little teddy bear. And I think that was where the reality began to settle as I processed over the next few hours what these people must have gone through that a teddy bear would be so meaningful to an adult or to a young adult. It turns out once we arrived at the location, she came down, we welcomed her down. We told her, you don't have to stay up there. You're welcome to come down and, and sit with us. And she did at some point. And we were using the Google Translate trying to understand each other. And she said, 
I was recently married and my husband cannot leave the country because of the law that all men must stay in to serve. And so he felt that I needed to be able to just get away from our country. So I came to Poland to visit a friend who I haven't seen since the war. And I only came for two days. Mm. She said, and I am a Christian also. And when she said that, she had watery eyes or teary eyes. And she said, I saw you praying and I had been praying, God, would you send me people that angels or people that would protect me or be like-minded in my cabin? I, I, Cause she was fearful of traveling by herself, traveling without her husband. You never know if you leave, if you're going to be able to come back, what's going to happen. I mean, these were all things she was sharing. And she said, when I saw you pray, I had a peace that settled in my spirit. And shortly after that, your husband gives me this teddy bear. She said, I clenched the teddy bear the entire trip. Oh my gosh, a 22-year-old young lady clenching a teddy bear to me was mind-boggling. Who would have thought that a Somebody Cares bear would have been so impactful? Who would have thought that when I was packing the bag, pondering, do I take it or do I not take it, that that teddy bear had a divine appointment that was going to be a symbol of peace for someone, that was going to peace and joy and was going to be truly a gift from God, not from us, but from God himself. She proceeded to tell us her story proceeded to tell us that she was just grateful that God had provided. And the first thing that she said to me before all of this conversation had taken place, and I was able to share a little bit, she said, why are you here in the Ukraine? I said, we're here to love on your people. We're here to tell them how much the Lord loves them and how many people are praying for them and to encourage them. And she looked at me astounded and a tear began to stream down her face. And she said, aren't you scared? And when she said that, I smiled big. I said, no, because Jesus is sending me himself. I come with the message of love and peace and God's going to take care of you and your people just as he's taking care of me and my husband on this journey and the many more that he's going to continue to send your way to provide. And she just was emotional and we hugged each other. And I realized at that moment, God was in the midst of it all. And if for nothing else, that trip was already very worth it. Yeah. And you were asked to come and speak at several women's meetings in Kiev. Um, tell us about the group that you ministered to and that had gathered and, and how they touched your heart, because I know they did. Absolutely. Well, when the meeting started, for starters, they were believers, not just from the Ukraine, but from all over the region. So there were people that actually came in from Israel. There were people that had come in from throughout Europe. There were people from Northern Europe, from England, other parts of Ukraine, Germany. A lot of the people that had actually left to go find refuge somewhere else that had to leave Ukraine came back for this leadership gathering. So it was a time of encouragement a time for them to gather and rest together, to pray together for each other's needs and to process what the Lord was saying their assignments were over the course of the next few months and the next year. There were also people from the military that were believers that were present. And it was absolutely unbelievably beautiful. The first day that we attended a service was the very next morning from when we had arrived and it was their Shabbat service. It was in the afternoon actually. And here in the U.S., we tend to go to a service that can be an hour to two hours long on the average. Their services are four to five hours long. So when I saw that on the itinerary, I didn't really understand. I thought, what are we going to do for four to five hours? <laughs> I'm just curious. Reminded me a lot of churches when I'd gone to Africa where you just worship. You know, you worship for a good chunk of that time. 
And you always walk away refreshed, Jody. You and I have been there together and you walk away refreshed after four to five hours of worship and word. It's exactly what happened. We got there. It was a large church that was beautiful with the presence of God. And when I tell you there could have been a thousand people there of all ages, people in wheelchairs, and they worshiped the Lord for over two hours in song and dance. It was absolutely, unbelievably beautiful. And they came to get me about 25 minutes in and asked me to join them in dancing and praising the Lord. And I've learned that you never say no. I don't care what circumstance you have, unless <laughs> unless you're bound to a wheelchair, you get up and you join them. And so I said, God, let everything I do be unto you be pleasing. And so let me have a clean heart, a right spirit and a sharp sound mind to hear what you asked me to do. And so I got up and I began to dance to the point where I actually was sweating towards the end. (laughs) And the joy that came over me was unbelievable. And to think that these people were people that had lost loved ones, that were separated from loved ones, that were struggling in every way. And they began to praise the Lord. I just had like moments of just processing the time of the exodus from Egypt into the promised land and over the Red Sea and everything those people must have thought of for those moments, but yet the joy. And you wonder how is it that you go from having the joy to losing the joy? You can't let those things that get in the way, those thoughts that the enemy wants to send your way, the flesh get in the way of you continuing to celebrate in that beautiful way. Fast forwarding to the conference and to being able to sit with the women and speak and minister to them. Some of the things that I learned specifically was that in times of need, I think all of us have a warrior princess spirit in us. It's a matter of, are you going to let that warrior princess shine? I heard from women that were probably in their seventies and eighties. I heard from some that were in their fifties and sixties. One woman began to give her testimony, and by the way, she was a pastor in the northern region of Ukraine on the border of Russia, and she said, I went to bed in Ukraine, and I woke up in Russia. I did have audio translation in my ear, and I was trying to understand everything as best I could, and they had very good translators for us. Basically, she said Russia had invaded that region, so it was what she knew as her home in Ukraine. But by the time she awoke to bombing and gunfire and destruction, the Russians had invaded that area and taken it, and it was now considered Russia. And she said, for two weeks, I was separated with zero communication from my family because my family were all away on assignment, say they were at school or visiting friends or whatever the case may be. So her husband and her children were all gone and she was alone with no access, but her and I believe a mother that was somewhere near in that same community. And she said, I didn't know if my family had made it. I didn't know how far along they had invaded. I didn't know about my nation. I just knew that we were in sudden disaster and war. And I no longer had the right to call myself Ukrainian. You either decided to renounce that you were Ukrainian and become Russian and they came along and they gave you new passports. It it was so quick or you would lose all benefits, no money, no help, no blankets, no anything. And she said in her particular case, she refused. And somehow she said, I began to pray and intercede. She cried a lot and she made her way to another home where she met 
other neighbors that she knew who also were in her situation. And she said, basically, for two weeks, we gathered what little we could and boiled water and made food and did what we could to survive. And eventually, she was able to get reunited with her family. But stories like that were constant. And it was heart-wrenching. And I thought I was the, the last speaker to share and to encourage them. And I thought, how on earth do I encourage is what I kept processing. God, what do I say to people who have been through so much? What could I possibly bring them? I need to sit at their feet and listen and learn and take back nuggets of your truth back with me to the United States and throughout the world and share their stories. But God, who is always faithful, who when you stick to preaching his word, when you stick to sharing the word of God and the stories in the Bible, God will always use it to encourage those around us. So like you said, you were using an interpreter and most of your conversations, it was challenging to get to know everyone, but you did have an opportunity to talk to some of the women in a little more depth. Share a few more stories of their lives and their situations. Um, and how God's meeting their needs in some, you know, in the midst of very real hardship. You know, I am going to start with one interesting circumstance that I was not aware that was taking place. Things that most of us don't think about during war. When the women and children were allowed to leave and they became refugees in other nations, in Poland, in Germany, it was very humbling as I heard some of these women talk about it, how you go from having a good or a decent life to how do you end up becoming a refugee in another nation, not knowing their language and having to start from scratch, having a, been, been a person maybe even of some means, meaning middle class, you know, you're able to sustain yourself in every way, you're planning for your future, but now you're having to live off of, if you will, welfare or handouts. And so she said, that is an emotional process. And one pastor was sharing with us who the Lord had sent to Germany as a missionary. And she loves Ukraine. She didn't want to leave Ukraine. She said, God, why are you sending me to Germany? I don't get it. Well, this was a good year and a half or two prior to all of this happening. Well, now it made perfect sense because she spoke their language and was able to minister to them and help them in this time of crisis. Well, one of the things that she said we need to be praying about, all of us as believers, is that a lot of these women who don't have a relationship with the Lord, who don't know the Lord, who have gone as refugees to these countries with their children, some of them newborn, some of them having their babies in Germany now because they were pregnant and had to leave their nation, had to leave their spouses behind because they're forced to fight in the war or serve their country. They are lonely and they are now finding themselves meeting men in Germany or whatever nation they're in and wanting a divorce, thinking, well, I'll never have a life back in Ukraine. They're still at war. I don't know if my husband will live or die. So I'll just divorce him and start a new life over here with this new guy I just met. And that's a serious crisis. And that leaves an orphan generation, possibly, because what's not done through God and in God, there's no guarantee of success. Not saying it's going to not work. I'm just saying that with God, in being in alignment with God, no matter what you go through, success in his eyes is there for you. And so that really broke my heart on many fronts. And that's the enemy going in to lie and confuse them. Let me give you an incredibly positive story. 
I'm sitting there and one of the interpreters tells me, Lisa, did you hear about such and such? And I said, no. She said, would you like to meet her? And I said, yes. So there's this young lady and she ends up being diagnosed with terminal cancer. My understanding is that she had cancer throughout her entire body. She was riddled with it. And she was very, very ill. She had gone into surgery to have, I believe, some of it, a tumor, something of that nature removed. So she's in surgery. And in the middle of surgery, she dies. And so they send her to the morgue. And she's in there for a while. And the person who's in charge at the morgue notices that there's some movement in the body. And he thinks nothing of it because he said oftentimes, even hours later, after someone has passed, there can be a contraction of a muscle or something. You know, it's not uncommon. He looks at that and he's not bothered by it at all. He moves on and just keeps doing whatever he does in the morgue. And the next thing you know is he sees it again. But this time he sees an incredible movement. And the way it's described is that she would have been, of course, lying flat on her back. And that it's almost like she jolted up and took a deep breath. And her exact words that she gave me, which I happen to be familiar with because Doug had been teaching on the Ruach of God. The Ruach is a Hebrew word for the breath of God. She said, the Ruach. And she took a deep breath and she blew out and she said, God himself breathed into me. And she came back to life. At that point in the morgue, on the table, the man, the technician (laughs) notices this is real. Bottom line is I stood before a living, breathing soul who had been declared dead, sent to the morgue and had been there a long while. And she stood before me. And if I may continue to tell you a little bit more about that story, when she was released from the hospital, she said, and I want to use her words. I don't, I don't want to change them. She said, there was plaster on my belly. And I had gone, if I remember correctly, I think she may have gone to Shabbat service because her sister said, you need to leave the house. You need to come praise the Lord. And she said, how could I praise the Lord? Look at me. I've just came out of this surgery and look all I've been through. I need to stay home to recuperate. And her sister said, absolutely not. You need to go to Shabbat service and praise the Lord. And so she does. And then while at service, doing what they do in a lot of these messianic services. If any of you all have been, they are just so joyful and full of life. And they have a spirit of gratitude as they dance these choreographed dances to these songs of the Psalms and you know songs that are sung directly from the book of Psalms. And her sister said, you come dance. And she says, how could I dance? I, I can't dance. I have all this plaster on my body. She ends up getting up and she said, well, God, you raised me from the dead. And I'm going to get up and dance. And if all of my body parts fall out while I'm dancing, then so be it. I'm going to do it. And you're in charge. She said she got up and danced joyfully to the Lord. And when she made it home and she took off her clothes, she said the plaster just fell on the floor and she was perfect as though nothing had happened. She didn't take it off. It had just cracked off, like fallen off. I guess maybe as I'm talking to you now, maybe it was a cast of some sort. I don't know but her word was plaster. And there she was sitting on the front row, shining with the eyes of a woman that had been in the presence of God. And I asked her, did you see him while you were asleep? So to speak, your body was asleep. She said, I never saw God. I never saw him. 
but his peace is all over me now and he is real. That is so, so powerful. I mean, God, and God is doing that kind of thing. You know, when we get desperate, when we are in desperate situations, you often hear uh, in places that don't have the resources, the medical facilities, the, you know, the, the, the prosperity that um, the West is used to, when there's a desperation for God, God answers in ways that are amazing. Like this woman, it's that hunger to see his presence and he shows up. Jody, I think one of the things that you and I together have even witnessed, because you and I have the honor and the pleasure of serving together through Somebody Cares on a lot of disaster relief missions, a commonality I would say in all of them is that in desperate times, God does amazing signs and wonders. And I think it's the brokenness of our hearts, the willingness to say, there is no other way but you, Jesus. I've tried everything and you are the only thing I have left to hold on to. Unfortunately, too many people reach out to him only in those desperate times. And that's where I come back always convicted and changed. God, let me never be just one that wants to hold your hand when I'm desperate, but let me experience those signs and wonders when I'm not desperate, when I'm full of joy. And yes, Jody, he is real. And yes, Jody, he is making things happen. I can go on and on with stories of his goodness that I heard firsthand from these people, stories that you and I have experienced, you know, uh, limbs growing back and people that were blind that now see. And, and I've questioned it. And could it be that we are so much dependent on man here and on what man can do versus what God can do? And moreover, I think one of the things I walk away with too is learning to be still and hear his voice. You know, from the time that you get the assignment to the processing of what my mission is, what my goal is, you don't go to just go and say you went to Ukraine. Oh, I went and I survived. That's not the mission. The mission is, am I going to be this little light that shines and be a light set on a hill that others can see him, not me, that others can see Jesus, not the name of our ministry. It really is all about him. And I know that our very presence expels darkness because it's not our presence. It's the Holy Spirit in us that does the work and shines if we allow him to. Amen. Well, Lisa, tell us a couple of ways that we can pray for our brothers and sisters who are Ukrainian. I mean, whether in Ukraine or dispersed from their homeland. One, I would say pray the peace of God over them. They are lonely. They are hurting in many ways. Ukrainian money is, doesn't have the value it once did. Cost of living is quite affordable for someone who goes over with an American dollar. But for them, there is a need for work. And many of these people, women especially and children, don't all have their dads because their dads or their brothers or their cousins are leaving. I would pray for God to move in that nation in supernatural ways of course, we're going to pray for peace and for the war to end, but we know that there's only an increase of wars and the rumors of wars, as scripture says, but we are called to pray for peace. There's young men who are 18 can no longer leave the country. So some people who have means and ability who have a 16-year-old or 17-year-old try to find a way to see if their child can get an education in some other place so that they're not left behind. But that's few and far between because most people are patriots. 
and they want their children to serve and they want to fight for their nation. They don't want to be part of Russia. They want to be Ukrainian. In fact, when you go into businesses before, because most people did speak Russian, when you go in and you speak Russian to someone, it is the law that they must respond to you in Ukrainian. Pray for peace within the people groups there. I would also say that there would be a mighty move of God that would become more evident and that people would see that he is real. And he is, and the word is getting out. People are coming to know the Lord. They need provision. They need to see God's hand also in miraculous ways, which I think that's where he serves even through ministries like ours. You can say, well, we're small potatoes, as Doug says sometimes, but guess what? One small potato can feed a whole lot of people. And one small potato planted well can multiply into more potatoes and God does things. One of the things we're trying to do, Jody, is raise funds to be able to purchase more solar Bibles that have the Ukrainian and Russian languages for those that are trying to learn. And there's so much information in those. And they went like hotcakes, the ones that we were able to purchase because of the people that donated towards this trip and, and allowed us to purchase some. It was a big demand. I would say continue to pray for finances so that ministries like ours can serve over there, getting them the resources they need. They want Bibles. They need food. Everything we do is in and through the church. That way people can receive God's tangible help through the church and also receive the gospel, which is the ultimate freedom that anyone could have. Amen. And uh, if you want uh, those who are listening to be a part of that, you can donate for efforts in Ukraine to get them audio Bibles, to get uh, other provisions as as we have resources uh, at somebodycares.org. Go to the Donate Now button and uh, just make sure you, you select Ukraine so we know that that's your intention of where you want it to go. <clears throat> so Lisa, when you got back from the U.S., you jumped right back into several ministry opportunities, one of which it's the holiday season. So it was coordinating holiday outreaches with Somebody Cares partners in the Houston area. Share just a little bit. I mean, there's a lot going on, but share just a little bit about how we're reaching out in partnership with churches and organizations this Christmas. This brings me incredible joy. <laughs> I absolutely love the opportunity that Somebody Cares gives me and the many volunteers to serve people from all over our region. We are partnering with churches. Right now we have about 16 churches that we are working with and or ministries to serve homeless, to serve Holocaust survivors, to serve people that are widows or shut-ins or people that are in lower income assisted living facilities where they don't have means for much, where they don't even get their own room, their shared rooms. So we're able to reach all these people in incredible ways. We're working with refugees. We're working with schools that also care for lower income children, identifying families that have true needs. We actually were given a grant by a foundation in Houston, and here's the beauty about Somebody Cares. The grant was worth a certain amount of money. As opposed to just saying, we're going to just divvy this money up between all these churches, we went to people that were actually doing things in the community already. That was one of the requirements, that they were already intending to serve their community. Once we found out what their needs were, we were able to come alongside them, use our own resources to get some of those needs met with the funds that were donated to us and multiply the money many times over. I was excited, for instance, last night that we were able to make a purchase for just under $700 of about 
value, fair market value of this of this merchandise is twenty thousand. For seven hundred dollars that someone donated to us, we have, by the grace of God, have multiplied that into twenty thousand dollars worth of everything from makeup, curling irons to undergarments to clothes, everything brand new. And and some of you may say, well, what are you worried about makeup? Well, for someone to go to work, for a single parent mom to go to work and have to choose whether I get to have eyeliner or something simple like lip gloss or or lipstick because I have to buy my son shoes. What a beautiful thing to be able to say, not only are we going to give your son his shoes, but we're going to give you a beautiful care kit with all these toiletry items that you would have never been able to afford yourself because you chose to put gas in the car or to do something else. And so I can go on and on about stories of what we're doing. We have had a team of volunteers once the word got out that have come alongside us to help serve and sort through everything. And by his grace, I'm going to guess so far that we are probably close to being able to give out about $100,000 worth of goods in kind to all of these ministries. And we are very good about not just giving handouts, but truly finding people with sincere need that want a hand up, not a handout. People that are trying to do for themselves. So I thank our listeners that have sown. For those that just can sow in prayer, thank you. Keep praying. For those that can sow the widow's might, we promise you that the Lord is multiplying it in incredible ways. And I can't wait till January comes around and we get to share pictures and stories of smiles of people that have just had an incredible Christmas and an incredible experience with the Lord and some that have come to salvation because of these tangible gifts. Amen. Well, Lisa, as we close, is there a woman of the Bible whose story is relevant for this season that we're in? I love that you said that's relevant for this season that we're in. You had no idea who I was going to tell you about. But last night as I was pondering, you know, knowing that you always ask this question, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's who's relevant for me during this season. I get teary-eyed because I can't even imagine at that age being visited and asked, would you carry the Savior of the world? And just like prophecy said in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, it was foretold that a woman such as Mary would emerge one day to give birth to Israel's wished for child, their savior. And scripture says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. What must it have been like to hold the savior in your arms, to look at him in his eyes? To raise him, you know, I laugh when you think about disciplining him. I don't know what Jesus was like. (laughs) He was perfect in every way, but obviously he stayed behind one time and didn't follow them home. I can't even fathom. She's the woman who right now I look to and I say, Mary, thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for being a hero, probably the most famous Mary of all time, and by no means one that we should worship. Because the only one that can be worshipped is God himself, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. But one that I can admire and be grateful for and one that I could look to to say, God, help me to walk in obedience like she did. Even when I don't want to because my flesh kicks in, even when I doubt because I'm questioning, am I hearing your voice or am I hearing me? Help me to just be obedient like Mary was. And Mary, thank you. Just thank you for what you did and what an honor it must have been, you know, in the midst of the hardship and to watch your child be beaten 
to the point where the flesh is just ripped aside and to be there at his feet. I can't fathom even knowing that he is God to watch him go through that. I could not fathom. It hurts me when someone speaks bad about my child, let alone lay a hand on him. And uh, I can't even imagine what emotionally she went through, but God who strengthened her and gave her away. Mary, thank you for what you did. But Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Amen. Yeah, Mary was incredibly faithful through some very, very difficult circumstances. And you know, Psalm 37 is an amazing chapter to read when you're feeling overwhelmed by all that's going on in the world. I wonder if Mary pondered Psalm 37 through some of the trials that she went through in life. Um, I won't read the whole chapter now, but I encourage you to do so today and again, whenever you need a reminder that God's got this and God's got you. The first nine verses in the New Living Translation read, Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about the evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. And verse 39 and 40 ends the psalm by saying, The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. Lisa, would you take a moment and lead us in prayer? Lord, we just love you. We are without words for your amazing and abounding grace. God, I pray for every person that is listening right now and will listen throughout time. God, that you would touch them in the very place of their need. There are no impossibilities for you. And there is no limitation on time, God. I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that in this season, God, we can look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Father, that you would allow us to walk in truth, in righteousness, in justice. Father, I thank you for healings, salvations, liberations. Father, I thank you for more people that are being called out into the mission field. And the mission field can be in their very own city. The mission field could be in their very own home. May we be attuned to your voice, to hear what you want us to hear, to move according to your perfect will. God, I speak blessings of abundance. Father, I speak healing. I speak emotional, physical. Father God, natural in every way, social, economical, healing in every way for everyone that hears. God, may your will be done in our lives. And God, just as it says in Psalm 107, 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. God, your love does endure forever and it could see us through every storm. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Ukraine. I thank you, Father God, for my brothers and sisters in Israel and all over the world. God, there's people in in, in many nations, in many war-torn nations. And Father, even in some of the nations that so many of us tend to look our head against and say, oh, they're evil. God, you are there and your goal is that none should be lost. 
lost, that none should perish. And you are meeting people. There are underground churches and people that believe all over the world. God, empower them, infuse them with your strength, with your provision in every way. God, I thank you. And we bless you in this time and always in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if God is speaking to you about joining us in supporting the work he's doing in Ukraine, remember, go to somebodycares.org, click on the donate button, and just mention that this is for Ukraine. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information we talked about. You can also get a free six-week devotional on women of the Bible to download or purchase a 12-week devotional that we'll send to you for just $12. In there is a pretty in-depth look at the life of Mary. You might pick up that for the beginning of the year and learn something. And you'll know that all the proceeds go to our Widow and Orphan Fund. We'd love to pray with you on our prayer and text line. Give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Psalm 20, verse 1. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.